exist, and that's not who the flag, the, the most likely that, um, that name or flag be used as a weapon in. One was Brave Bull Strike. Seventy-five of us did this great thing. We uh, we did a great thing for the Sydney Defence Academy and the Sydney Police Department. Getting together under your word, we pray for your spirit to be at work mightily in our country. Amen. A long, long way to go. That's something that Chris wrote in an email a few months ago. Could be a few weeks before the name is officially The full sentence was, whilst there are encouragements along the way, it still feels like such a long, long way to go. Thank you for your persistence in prayer. And I, as I read that, I asked myself, what is she talking about? Surely she's not talking about how far away she is from home. She could have been speaking about uh, the length of time that it takes to learn a language so that you're comfortable sharing uh, deep gospel truth with someone. And even as what has happened to Brit already, when they start downloading what they really believe about their religion to you, and how do you respond to that? If you can go to the next picture. She could, uh, she could have been speaking perhaps about the amount of time that it takes, go back one, that it takes to uh, build a friendship with, uh, with somebody else in that culture so that they actually trust you when you're sharing one of the stories from your book. There might be many layers of meaning to what she said, but if you go to the next slide, I thought perhaps she's talking about the perhaps 7,000 ethnic groups that are still around the world uh, where you could perhaps be born, where you could live and you could die without ever seeing a church or without ever meeting a Christian and certainly without ever hearing the gospel. Um, a long, long way to see a world that knows Jesus. Britt confirmed that that was what she was talking about in her, in her long investment that she, where she was in what she's doing. She was just thinking about that world that still needs to know Jesus. Now, Matthew chapter 9 has been very instructive to me as I have started to learn what's uh, entailed in my position. Uh, Jesus, we are told, went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I wondered if he looked out on the crowds and thought to himself, gee, there's such a long, long way to go. Do open Matthew 9 if you don't have it open already. We'll be looking at a few words and verses. What leads up to Matthew chapter 9 is an amazing ministry. Uh, Jesus has been teaching extensively and he's been healing everybody that has had some ailment and has encountered Jesus has been helped by him. But in the light of this very striking and decisive ministry, what Matthew says is very interesting. Verse 36. It says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus is feeling compassion. When we hear the word compassion, we might think, oh, it means he felt sorry for them. You know, it may be a little bit like we, we open a local paper and we see that there's a, a puppy at the RSPCA, a cute little puppy that wants to be adopted. And we go, oh, cute little puppy. Oh, I hope he gets a home. And we have compassion on the puppy. But this is a very strong word that Jesus is using. It's a, it's a word that describes a pain that you would feel in your gut when you see somebody's suffering. Maybe we could con uh, translate it, Jesus was gutted. When he saw the crowds, he was gutted for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So, strong word. Why is Jesus gutted? Because these crowds were like sheep without a shepherd. That's a, an Old Testament phrase. It's actually used in the first Bible reading that we heard. It's used when um, Joshua is ordained in the place of Moses so that the people would not be like sheep without a shepherd, so that they would not be leaderless. So Jesus is saying he's gutted because these people are without a leader, harassed and helpless. That's interesting because these people certainly had leaders. Uh, they had community leaders, the Pharisees. They had religious leaders, the priests, Levites. They had uh, local government uh, and provincial government, maybe Pontius Pilate. In Galilee, there was uh, King Herod. And then in the wider Roman Empire, there was the Caesar. Yet Jesus is gutted because these people are harassed and helpless, leaderless. So they, it seems that Jesus is seeing that they don't have a leader to meet their deeper and profound needs. So what, what is Jesus actually seeing that they need, or what is, the, what is lacking for them. Well, they are suffering under the oppression of sin in their lives. They are suffering for having no reconciliation or peace with God. And they are suffering for having no hope beyond the grave. They don't have a leader to help them with those profound needs. And that's why Jesus is gutted. It's a very serious problem. So just in that verse, we're reminded that we have much more deeper needs than having our physical, our immediate physical necessities met. There's more that Jesus sees, though. If you look in verse 37, he speaks to his disciples, he says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So you can flick through some of my pictures. Uh, we've, we've missed the sheep picture. Picture of some harassed and helpless sheep uh, from the drought over east. But if we can go to the harvest picture, um, Jesus is actually seeing huge potential for harvest. He's actually seeing people restored in relationship to God. People no longer oppressed by sin. People are 
fulfilling the Old Testament promises. Maybe what we read in Psalm 67, the people of Israel being a blessing to the whole earth. Maybe that's what Jesus is seeing when he's saying, when he, when he says the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. The harvest ain't going to happen unless there are laborers. What kind of laborers? What, what kind of workers? Well, if people, if their deepest need is uh, for them to be oppressed, for them to be freed from their oppression to sin and freed from their lack of reconciliation with God and to be given hope beyond the grave, they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear more about Jesus. They need to hear what Jesus has done. So gospel workers, or sorry, the workers that Jesus is speaking about are gospel workers, people who speak about him. Now, just as much as those people needed, our community right here needs gospel workers, people who speak about Jesus to their families, to their work colleagues, to their near neighborhoods. And the world needs such gospel workers, people who intentionally live in places to learn language, to speak about Jesus. And that's the mandate that Jesus has given us, his church, to take the gospel to those places. And that's what Brit's doing. That's what Sam and Penny are doing. That's what Sam and Shamila are doing. Even Cassandra's doing that. So in the light of that need of the world for gospel workers, in the light of that potential for harvest, in the light of the fact that the world is full of people who are harassed and helpless, without the leader they need, Jesus gives a commandment. Verse 38. He says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, I read other, um, other versions of the Bible. I read that in some Bibles it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. In other Bibles it says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. I did some digging and I discovered that that word is like a, a beg word. It's a pleading word. Maybe it should be better translated, beg the Lord of the harvest or plead with the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We're not used to begging. I'm not sure that I've begged anyone in my life for something. Maybe my parents when I was a kid. Uh, but maybe in the quietness of our lives when we uh, confront our limitations and our mortality, we have begged God for things when we've reached the end, the precipice. We've begged God. Here Jesus is commanding us, the disciples, to beg for gospel workers. And beg, not just for workers, but if we look more closely... It says to send out workers. And that's an interesting little word there, to send out. It's not the usual word for sending. 
Uh, we can send emails or texts. We can send someone on an errand to the shop to go and get a loaf of bread. We might send our kids to wash the dishes. That's a bit harder. Um, but this is a word which is maybe translated to drive out gospel workers into the harvest field, to forcibly expel workers into the harvest. I think what we're seeing is that getting workers into the harvest is difficult. It's hard. Jesus knew that, and that's why Jesus is saying that we need to plead with God to work miracles. So we've got, for example, Sam and Penny. We've got another new family as well, also going out to a location, hopefully this year. God has raised them up. God has worked a miracle in their lives to move them, to uproot everything and to go and live in another place. But it's going to take more miracles and ongoing miracles to keep them there to keep them from being discouraged, and to keep them provided for. That's going to take miracles, not just in them, but in people like ourselves. As we look at our budgets and think, oh, I really should make an additional sacrifice just to contribute towards them going. That's what Jesus is telling us to plead for with God. St. Barney's is connected to three missionary units from CMS. It's a huge commitment. Um, we, on, on average, uh, churches give out of their budget towards missionaries, but that, that amount of money given by church budgets only reaches to about a third of what the missionaries really need. So we are very reliant on individuals committing out of their own funds towards missionaries. Brit has commented that it's a long, long way to go. She's feeling it. She's made sacrifices. So have Sam and Penny and even Sam and Shamila as they've decided to stay in Nepal, whereas so many of the qualified people in Nepal just want to leave. So I want to I urge you, with the authority of Christ, to pray for more gospel workers, to beg for more gospel workers to be sent out and to pray for those miracles to keep them there. The way you can start is by filling in your name on one of those clipboards that are passed around and praying that those people get the funds that they need to go and to stay on location. Friends, the world is in a state of dire physical need. It's a long, long way to see a world that knows Jesus. The only way the world is going to know Jesus is, is if there are more gospel workers. For those gospel workers to be sent out is going to take miracles. Miracles in their lives and miracles in our lives. So please join with everyone in CMS as we commit to praying as Jesus commands. Let's pray now.